Hello everyone, this is Bill Wilson, Senior Editor of Supermarket News, and welcome to another episode of SN Off The Shelf. Today I have Joe Canfield. He is the CEO of Yellow Banana, who are doing some great things. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Bill. Happy to be here. So Joe, just talk about your, you know, the concept there with Yellow Banana, you know, what you guys are doing, kind of give us a general overview of what you guys, what's your goals? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, so I have three partners. There's four of us. We founded Yellow Banana in June of 21. Um, all of us have uh, kind of existed in the corporate world and had a fair amount of success, but uh, it's not always the most rewarding thing in the world. So we all kind of came together around the idea that we could still do well for ourselves when we did good stuff that made us feel good about what we were doing. So um, looking for an opportunity uh, was at the same time that Save-A-Lot was converting from a self-distributing retail model to a wholesale-only model, and they were selling off um, some corporate stores. And so we looked at some of the stores, and we felt good about um, uh, where they were and that uh, it would be a good uh, approach for us. And then we bought 32 stores uh, between Ohio, Illinois, and Wisconsin. And then we bolted on six more stores about eight weeks later, four of them in Florida and two of them in Dallas. So that's uh, that's what that's where Yellow Banana sits right now. So you recently, I believe uh, you're working on some Chicago stores, $26 million uh, in upgrades. Do you want to talk about that specific uh, purpose there in Chicago? Yeah, I would love to. Um, and and uh, you hit the nail on the head. That was why the Chicago investment looked so attractive to us because it felt like if we could reposition the stores um, and and kind of win the neighbors back over, um, that there was some upside there. Um, a lot of that was just around the physical condition of the buildings through a variety of reasons. Um, the, there had not been a lot of capital investment back into the market for a while. And um, we felt like we were uniquely positioned to both uh, run that project and secure the financing to get that project done. So we uh, applied for some grants through the city. So we got about $13.5 million from the city of Chicago. Um, we also went out and solicited some investors to invest through the new market tax credits um, structure. And then we got um, some debt from uh, some social impact lenders, LISC, Local Initiative Support Corporation, and Capital Impact Partners in particular. And so that whole capital stack winds up being about $26.5 million. And that allowed us to purchase the underlying real estate uh, for the locations that we were operating, because we actually owned the store itself, but not the real estate underneath it. So um, to make the kind of improvements we needed to make, it makes a lot more sense to actually own the real estate. Otherwise, you're spending a lot of money on tenant improvements that you don't actually own. Um, so we secured both the funding to purchase the real estate as well as the funding to make the capital upgrades in those locations. And it also allowed us to grab another location that was formerly operating as Save-A-Lot that was closed in it was either 19 or 20. I think it was early 20 that it closed and we're able to reopen that. And in the category of sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, um, that was less than a mile from one of the Walmarts that's actually just closed in Chicago. So the timing of us opening that store is good because that neighborhood really needs uh, a significant grocery there because there isn't one now. So can you maybe go into specifics as, as to what kind of improvements you guys are going to be making there with, with those stores? Sure. Yeah, happy to. So at each of the stores, the roofs 
are being redone. Um, the parking lots are being redone. The water service is being redone. We're changing out the refrigeration. Um, we're changing out the HVAC systems. We're changing out the floors because all of them really need new floors. We're upgrading the check stands and the point of sale system. And then the cosmetic upgrades go along with that, the new paint jobs and the new trim around all, all of the um, fixtures. So these are really going to be brand new grocery stores when we're done with them. Um, we're, we're really excited about it. Um, and look, I, I, I'd be remiss not to say, you know, it's been frustrating over the last year and a half. We've owned the stores for a year and a half, and we haven't been able to show much improvement in the physical condition of the stores because they're just old. Um, but we own that. Like, we don't want to run from it. That that did take place on our watch. And we knew that we needed to secure the financing in order to, to handle those situations. It just took a long time. We started that process in October of 21. And we actually closed the transaction on the last day of March in 23. So it was like an 18-month process. So when can people expect to really see these improvements then to roll out? Uh, especially, you know, you just talked about the physical improvements funding is finally wrapped up, when can we see that things are actually happening? Yeah, so um, we're actually gonna try to knock out two stores at a time. Um, the first two that we're gonna do are the one on 79th and Halstead. Um, and that's the one where the Walmart just recently closed um, and 420 Pulaski because that store is really the only option for um, uh, the folks in West Garfield Park. And we wanna get that kind of up to snuff so those are, I think will start in the next couple of weeks. We're waiting on a commencement letter from the city of Chicago. Um, and uh, it's just the construction process. It's nothing germane to our project. It's just part of the the process to get going. But uh, probably the next two to three weeks, you're going to start seeing people on site doing work on the buildings. And then how long do you think it's going to take? Is it going to be done complete by the end of the summer? What's your timetable on those? Yeah, the rehabs uh, from the, the the work we did with our um, contractor, we think it's between eight to 10 weeks. So I'm hoping eight, they're, they're, they're edging for 10. So we're doing the typical tug of war that you do on construction projects where we want to, I always say I want to get done as fast as I can, but still do it right. Because um, I've learned that going fast sometimes can cause you problems if you're not careful about how you do it. So I wanted to talk to that one, talk about that one location in Inglewood. Um, where it was a Whole Foods, then uh, you guys came in, had plans for the Save-A-Lot. Um, it has been the center of some protesting. So I wanted, if you can give me a, an update, a progress report on that site, and then just what what do you think about the protesting that's going on? Is it is it really more of a misunderstanding, misinformation with the community? Maybe you can talk more about that. Sure. No, that's great. So um, in terms of an update, you know, we would love to have that store open sooner than later. I would say that probably in the next several weeks, we'd be targeting trying to get it open. Um, we're still trying to be good neighbors and good citizens and work with the folks that have concerns, work with the aldermen. Um, but at some point, you know, we got to open the doors and let the public judge for themselves. Um, we'd like to do that in conjunction with everybody. And we're hoping that's where we can land. Um, yeah, in terms of the protest, um, it was uh, it was surprising to me, um, and we certainly could have done things differently. If knowing what I know now, I would have uh, taken a little bit of a different approach. When I say a little bit, I probably would have just involved different people from the beginning because um, it's probably easiest to explain if we go all the way back to the start. It shouldn't take long, but um, 
Whole Foods actually contacted us in the spring of 22 and said, hey, we're not going to make it at this location. We're going to have to close this store. We don't want to leave it without a grocer there. We think you guys would be the perfect grocer to go in there because they knew the community. They knew our model. And, um, they, you know, they reached out and we said, look, if, you, if you'd be willing to, could you share what, what your financials look like? And so they showed us their sales, they showed us their overheads, they showed us their operating costs at that location. And it became uh, very apparent why they weren't going to make it there. They were not not doing well at that location. And we said, you know, under these, under this model, under this cost structure, we don't think we can make it either. So like, if you're willing to do some type of arrangement uh, to help us with the lease, then great, let's talk. And they said, you know, we'd rather, we'd rather keep looking to see if we can get someone in here. We said, we totally understand. Got it. No harm, no foul. Best of luck to you. Um, and so we didn't hear a peep from anybody um, for six months. Um, and then in late November of 22, we got a call back and they said, look, we've talked to lots of different grocers and we don't have any takers for the site. We have uh, another option, but it's not a grocery store. Uh, we really think there needs to be a grocery store here. And we'd really like to talk to you guys. We're much more amenable to talking about lease terms. And so for about a three week process, we went back and forth and settled on something that worked for both parties. And um, we executed the lease, I think it was early December of uh, 22. At that point, um, you know, we're going into the holidays. We knew we weren't going to be able to get much done for those two or three weeks. And we didn't take possession of the space until January, I think it was January 2nd of 23. But we reached out to lots of different people in the community who knew we signed the lease. And we had a meeting at the store on January 10th with all of the community members that engaged with us. Um, and then from there, um, it, I, I, I really struggled to figure out how we kind of went sideways because we kept reaching out. We kept asking for involvement. We didn't get a lot of engagement from groups. And, you know, we had to keep pressing forward because at some point you got to get the store open. You're paying the electric bill and you got expenses and you're bringing inventory in and you got to sell that inventory. So um, the a lot of the protests were around um, the, the Save-A-Lot brand, um, which I understand. Um, if you look at it from the past, I understand it. If you look at what Save-A-Lot has done over the last two or three years, it really doesn't, doesn't pass muster because the, the entire ownership group at Save-A-Lot is new within the last couple of years. The entire leadership team at Save-A-Lot is new within the last couple of years. We are new owners of save a lot and um you know we're more than willing to be judged on how we operate that store in Inglewood. we just want to get the doors open to do it so we're really trying to look forward and not look backwards um and we're hopeful that we can get there pretty quick and uh you know at the end of the day the average income in the Inglewood neighborhood is about twenty six thousand dollars a year it's just not a super affluent area we run a model by which we can deliver affordable healthy, safe options to people. And we think that they need, we know they need it. We know they need our help. Um, and we want to open the doors and get that done. So that's really what we're focused on. So that's still, that site is still in limbo, so to speak. You really can't, you haven't been able to really do much progress, make much progress there. Yeah. So um, in terms of opening the doors, yes, yeah. we've, we're, we're, we're 
we're not far away. Once we make the decision uh, or get to an agreement with folks, we can get the doors open pretty quickly. But um, as of now, we're still uh, uh, voluntarily uh, pausing to try to work through any open issues that folks have. So you mentioned Whole Foods. Walmart has pulled out a number or is in the process of pulling out a lot of stores, a few stores in the Chicago, uh, in the city of Chicago. How do you think you're going to survive? You know, when you have, I mean, Whole Foods, maybe that wasn't quite the right fit, you know, for that income bracket. But Walmart, you know, Walmart, you would think would be able to, to succeed there. How are you going to succeed where Walmart has failed in Chicago? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Walmart's a heck of an operator. They didn't get to where they're at because they don't know what they're doing. So it's a great comment. Um, I think our model, the Save-A-Lot model, is very unique in the grocery industry in that it's a small box. So your overheads are much lower, your cost to run the, the store per square foot, whether it's labor, whether it's utilities, whether it's sales per square foot, all those metrics are a little bit higher. And so in those neighborhoods where it's tough to operate a conventional, a full grocery store, I mean, and, that, and that's why you don't see a Jewel Osco or a Mariano's or a Pete's Fresh Market in those neighborhoods is because those cost structures make it really difficult for them to survive and be profitable in those neighborhoods. Um, our model is different and it's a different cost structure that allows us to exist in neighborhoods where a conventional grocer cannot. Um, plus, you know, when, we, when you look at our offerings, we have great private label products. It's very similar to Aldi. I mean, uh, Aldi's running a very similar model to what we're running um, with really good private label products that allows us to pass a significant savings onto the consumer, but still allow them to put healthy food on their plate. Um, so we think that model and our partnership with the Save-A-Lot team is really what's going to push us over the edge and help us be successful. Another one of the issues is, you know, they a lot of people there want you to uh, sell local products. Is is that also in, in your plans? Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether we were asked to or not, we always talk to local. And I mean, always. We'll always have a conversation with local suppliers. Sometimes the items work. Sometimes they don't work. But um, we've, we've, we've uh, taken on any appointment or any conversation with any local supplier. And anyone that makes sense, when I say makes sense, we don't charge slotting fees. We don't, there's no cost to enter into an agreement with us. It's really, can you produce the product and will it sell in our stores? And if we think it's got a shot, we'll give it a shot and see how it goes. So we've already talked to 20 plus local providers about bringing product in. Some of them made sense. Some of them didn't make sense, but we're always willing to have those conversations. So um, yeah, we're, we're wide open to that. Shifting away from Chicago, what is your plan moving forward, you know, for the rest of the year? Maybe you can talk a little bit about 2024 as far as, I mean, you got, do you have more purchases down the line? Are you going to go into different regions? What, what are you, what's your plans moving forward from here? Yeah, I, I kind of think about it like a snake that eats a big meal, right? You, <laughs> you got to digest the meal before you move forward. So what we're undertaking in Chicago is pretty ambitious. Um, we're opening the Inglewood site and just for clarity, the Inglewood site, and I know, I think you know this, but it had nothing to do with the grant. There's no city support at all for what we did in Inglewood. Um, but it is a new site for us, and we've got to get that store up and running. We want to get that store on 79th and Halstead reopened. Um, we also received a grant to build a brand new store down in the Riverdale Community 54 area. And so that will take precedence once we have some of these construction projects behind us. 
Um, we would like to shore up. We're doing well in the Ohio market, but we'd like to do better um, in the Ohio market. Um, there's uh, uh, a little more saturated in the Ohio market in terms of the number of Save-A-Lot locations. Um, Milwaukee probably has some opportunity for growth, but uh, really I think Chicago is going to keep most of our attention for probably the next 12 to 18 months. But I also think there's some additional growth opportunities within the city of Chicago. So we'll keep looking at those as well. Joe Canfield from Yellow Banana, you are the CEO there. Do you have anything else you would like to add about Yellow Banana or anything that you guys are doing? Yeah, uh, you know, um, our our people are what set us apart. And we're really proud of the group that we have that operates our business and, and runs our stores. And when you look at, um, we're fortunate, we've got a lot of long-term folks that came over to Yellow Banana from Save-A-Lot. And so they're very experienced. They know how to operate our stores. They live in the communities that they work in. They have personal relationships with their customers. And we've had success because we empower those folks to make decisions. Um, so they're an integral part of our team. And I always try to make sure everyone understands we have we, we place a high value on the people that work in our company. So um, appreciate the opportunity to do that. And uh, just really proud of our crew for what they've accomplished so far. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about your crusade there at Yellow Banana. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Bill. We really appreciate it.